welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. This week, Joel Nagel continued the God's People Birthed sermon series with a message titled Special Delivery. Hey, good morning, everybody. Excited to get to hang out with you guys today and get into the Word. Um, you guys are going to know this Moses story real good. And I don't know if we've ever had a sermon on these first couple of chapters of Exodus. Usually you skip to the burning bush and the ten plagues or signs and the parting of the Red Sea and all that. But there's a lot of really important stuff that happens before that uh, that we don't want to miss out on. And so we're going to get into all of that Today, let me get my podium adjusted here. There we go. Um, so I was in uh, San Antonio. It was interesting to hear Dave talk about missing San Antonio. I was just there last week, uh, and uh, it's beautiful. Uh, there's a lot to miss. <laughs> uh, tacos are good. Uh, no, it, was, it was good. We were there. I was there because there uh, is a spirituality conference um, called teleos, and that's like the word for maturity or fullness in Greek. And so there's a conference, there's a journal connected to it, and I got to hear, this probably sounds really exciting for you guys, but it was great for me, nine lectures by Ph.D. scholars on spirituality in the Bible. So it was, it was really a, a, a great trip. That was the first half of the trip, and then I spoke at the uh, church that is also doing the thread stuff like us in San Antonio, which is a little group, uh, a little smaller than our group. Uh, and that was really cool uh, to get to see those guys and hear about you know, how Thread is working out um, for them. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about with Thread, we, uh, a lot of our lessons come uh, from the same topic as this podcast called Thread. And there's an app uh, that has daily devotionals and family devotionals, all kinds of things. And then for leaders, there's sermons. If you're not connected with that, definitely come talk to me or Josh. Uh, but I like work with Thread. I, I help make all the stuff. So I was down there. So it was cool to meet that church. And then the next two days, it was a long trip uh, with lots of different parts, uh, lots of different tacos. Um, like there's all kinds of shapes. You know, you got your tacos and then your quesadillas, uh, your tortas, so good, um, enchiladas, nacho. I had it all. Uh, it was great. Uh, and uh, and then the the last two days were this the meetings of a new organization. So my, uh, the nonprofit that I work for the is merging with another nonprofit, uh, and the goal of it is to help churches have healthy leadership that helps the churches to be healthy and grow from like campus ministry interns to people who've been Christians for twenty thirty years to. The, the preacher them, himself, the elders, the teachers, um, the evangelists, all that. And so really good meetings. It was really cool. But please keep praying for all that uh, if you think of it. So today we're going to talk about um, what we've been talking about, which was so great. Josh reading Acts and Dave talking about it and singing about it. I don't know if you guys have noticed how much Josh puts into making the songs fit with the theme. But if you ever just sit back and listen, like every song is like, oh, hey, that's, wait a second. Like we're singing the word of God to each other. And that's a lot of Josh's planning and just talent. So thank you so much. That's really cool. Um, but we're going to talk about special delivery. Okay, that's the title of the message if you're taking notes. I don't know if you guys know this about me or not, but I've actually got delivery in my blood. Okay, 
my dad was a FedEx delivery driver. That's what he did for 25 years. Uh, he delivered packages in southwest Detroit, which is a tough place to deliver packages. He's got some stories. Um, and then my father-in-law, I married into a delivery family. Uh, he delivered Coke, Coca-Cola that is, um, his whole life. Um, and, uh, and then when they retired from FedEx and Coca-Cola, they actually for a little while worked for the same company that delivered humans to medical appointments uh, who couldn't get there. Like, and they worked, so they worked together. Pretty crazy. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of like physical delivery. I did deliver pizza for a little while, which was actually one of my favorite jobs ever because you got to eat a lot of pizza. Um, that was pretty awesome. Um, but I would say, you know, as a church leader, um, and as I, you know, create these Bible study resources for my job, I would, I would consider myself in the delivery department, but a different kind of delivery, right? Um, it's almost unbelievable that God uses people like me and each of us to help him in his work of deliverance from people being in darkness to light, from people experiencing death, and getting to come into life. But that's the reality that we're living in. We all get to be deliverers because of God's grace. Amen? You know, delivery is a big part of our lives. It used to be, like, rare and exciting to get a package. Some of you guys probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But you'd be like, whoa, there's a package. Where did that come from? Who is it from? And, you know, like, maybe, maybe a couple times a year you get a package on your doorstep. Wow, that's so cool. Now, sometimes a couple times a day you get a package on your doorstep. Uh, and you know exactly when it's coming. There's a picture of it. You know, all that it takes the mystery out of it. Okay? Today, we're going to talk about God's delivery special delivery service as we jump. And last, last week, Josh took us kind of through the all of Scripture, even through today, which was awesome. But where we're going to jump as we go from Genesis to Exodus is 400 years later from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Joseph to Moses. There's 400 or so years there. And I think you'll see that there's still plenty of wonder and mystery as God works to deliver his people in Scripture, and even in our lives today. So let's talk about the first part here. The first point, there'll be three, is perceiving the promises. Perceiving the promises. And so we'll start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. You can read along there, um, or you can follow along in your Bibles. Uh, Genesis 1, 28. So we read this a long time ago, last fall, as we started going through the Bible uh, through thread. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so there's kind of this mandate for humanity to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? And then in Genesis chapter 12, after we get through uh, the first 11 chapters of these great big stories about God and about people, um, we, it gets a little more personal, and we've been hanging out with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, because of this right here. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's this promise for, you know, that there's a mandate that we should all be fruitful and multiply. 
And then there's this promise given to Abram that from his family, there'll be a great nation. That all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's this idea of multiplying and fruit in Scripture, even early on. And now we go 400 years later, you kind of wonder, well, did God do it? Did God fulfill his promise? Well, let's look at how Exodus chapter 1 begins. You guys can turn there or read along. We can kind of be like scripture detectives and be like, did God really do what he said he was going to do? I wonder. I think we know the answer, right? Exodus 1 verse 7 it says, but the people of Israel were fruitful. There's the, we're even like using the same words, right? And increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. We won't read all of that, but you can even see the underlined words there. Like when Exodus begins, the, Moses is writing this. He's like making sure you don't miss the point that yes, God did do what he said he would do through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, And then 400 years in in Egypt, they're too many and too mighty. They multiplied. They multiplied and they spread. God is fulfilling what he said he would do from the very beginning and personally in that promise to Abraham. But here's the thing. If you asked an Israelite slave in Egypt who wakes up and makes bricks all day and is helping make the pyramids or, or the sphinx or something, right? They might have felt a little different. Like, hey, isn't it cool that God's fulfilling his promise right now that he made to Abraham? And at the very beginning of creation, we get to fulfill this mandate? This is awesome. He's just making bricks. Yeah, this is so great. I love this. They might not have felt like that. Because on the ground... It probably seemed like things were getting worse and worse. Yes, Israel became a multitude of slaves in Egypt. You know, I think for us, a lot of times, we are living in blessings. We're living in the midst of fulfilled promises. We're living out answered prayers that we prayed but we fail to recognize them because we had something different in mind. Right? We envisioned a different path for God's answer, but he always has a bigger plan. And often, as much as we hate this part, tough times or suffering are a part of that plan. Or maybe we should say he uses the hardships of this world to work his mighty plan. Here's some examples. Like, have you ever prayed for humility? How many of us have made that mistake? Right? You know? Uh, We pray for humility. How did God answer that prayer? Probably by allowing some humiliation in your life. Right? Have you ever prayed for reliance? How does... God, I just want to rely on you. How's God going to answer that? Okay. Ta-da, now you're more reliant. Or is he going to put something real crazy in your life where you got to hold on to God or you're going to lose it? You know, here's a crazy thought I've had recently. And you can follow me on this or not. I don't know. But, you know, for a long time we prayed to be a church that would reach 1% of the Lansing area. If you've been around for a while, remember that prayer? 1%. That's like 4,000 people. And that's a stretch because, you know, 
What is the Lansing? What even is the Lansing area? Anyway, um, like 4,000 people, okay? Um, and so we've, you know, over the years we've shared our faith, and you guys are willing to try new things and be adventurous and, and, and do outreach. And we grew from 30 to about 100. That's amazing, by the way. That's awesome. But that's a little less than 4,000. I'm not real good at math, but I, you, can, you, know, you don't have to be good at math to know that. But here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, now I'm in this new position, and I get to take a lot of the things that we've done over the years, that you were willing, like, okay, let's try this crazy idea. We'll do it. Okay. Um, and I get to take that stuff to other churches that are using Thread, and they are feeling like, what is this? This is awesome. They're feeling so blessed. Um, like, it's been crazy positive and impactful. And I was looking just this morning. Guess how many people have downloaded it and are using the Thread app? That would be 4,000. Um, and there certainly will be more. That's pretty cool. And that's not me. That's us. That's you guys. That, that's this you know, somewhat small church in a smaller city having a big impact. Like the big Chicago church in our fellowship and the Dallas-Fort Worth church in our fellowship. They're using this stuff. And I, I just wonder how God will keep having an impact here in Lansing through your faith, your openness, through Josh and Michelle, um, through the groups that we're forming this week. Uh, small, ba- small groups are coming back. It's going to be so good. I don't know how it'll happen. I think there's still, God still has plans for 4,000 right here. But it's pretty awesome to see that we can have a bigger impact. And that's you guys. Amen. God is working. God's promise to Abraham, you're going to be a great nation, was answered in an unlikely way. God had bigger plans than just raising up Israel. He also wanted to humble Egypt. He wanted to create a new kind of nation that had him as their king. And then in the background, he's always working for the true king, for King Jesus to to eventually come. For all of that to happen, this required a redemption story on the greatest scale. This required a miraculous comeback. And you can't have an amazing comeback if you don't start with a huge setback. You can't have an underdog story if you're the top dog. And so God uses Israel's setback as a setup for a comeback that we're still marveling at today. And we'll get to see that in the, in the coming weeks. Here's how it begins. Let's look in Exodus chapter 1, in verse 15. And we're going to talk about counting our blessings. And, uh, and David read through this. We'll read through it again. Um, Exodus 1, verse 15. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Um, it says, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua. And I'm sure you guys are like, oh yeah, Shifra and Pua, we know those Hebrew. It's actually really good if you're ever in Bible trivia. Those are two names you want to know, amen? Uh, but we're going to actually make them a little less trivial today, and I'm fired up about that. Uh, when, you, uh, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the, on the birth stool, picture, okay, um, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Amen. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, I kind of like this. There's like some, some trash talk in this. Ready? He said, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. 
The midwife, they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife even comes to them. So God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. Good job, Shua and uh, Shifra and Pua. Sorry. Um, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Yikes. And a great connection there with Matthew. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, uh, took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she said she hid him three months. Can you imagine this scenario? When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. All right, so this sounds like just like some technical details, but there are so many miracles in these verses. It's amazing. Moses, before he can do anything to control his own life, is carried through life by these seemingly small, but really mighty, heroic acts. You know, we think of Moses as the deliverer, but look at all the ways he needed to be delivered before he had any power to deliver anyone himself. Shifra and Pua, they defy Pharaoh's orders. Uh, Pharaoh makes an even more grave order, just as, as we saw Herod would do later on when Jesus was an infant. Moses' mom is like, this baby's awesome, we've got to keep, keep this baby alive. Has this, this ark, that's the word actually, it's the same word that you hear for Noah in Hebrew, makes an ark for Moses. And then bitumen is the same word, and the words only appear in these places, for the Tower of Babel. And so there's like some connection to those ancient stories that we started with thread. It's like, but it's like redemptive, it's like all, the, all that bad stuff is now good And let's see what God does. I'm going to put my baby in the Nile River. What is the Nile River famous for? Crocodiles. Um, And so this baby's like, you know, you can just see, like, is that a log? That's a crocodile. Oh no! But but God, you know, directs this, and 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 then Pharaoh's Pharaoh's daughter takes the baby out, um, and then eventually raises it. And then Miriam, Moses' sister, is like, hey, I know someone who could nurse this baby, and it's Moses' mom, and she gets paid for it, right? Wow, all of that happens when Moses, Moses doesn't even know what's going on. And I do want to say this. One thing we shouldn't miss here is that all of these deliverers are women. And we'll see this again and again in Scripture, especially in the life of Jesus and the early church. And this, I think, should really cause us to consider our ideas about the ways that women can lead and minister and be used by God. Amen? Uh, the section ends with chapter 2, verse 10. 
And remember, we've seen this already through, through Genesis, that a name means so much. Remember, uh, Noah meant rest, and the ark rested, and there's this idea of rest. And Jacob means wrestles with God, and Jacob wrestled with God. Um, Moses means drawn out. That's what in Hebrew, Moshe means drawn out. And Pharaoh's daughter names him this because he was drawn out of the Nile in his little basket, his ark. But we know that that name, drawn out, will mean so much more as he grows up to draw God's people out of slavery through the water of the parted sea and into the wilderness and eventually the promised land. I want you to just take a, take a moment to think of all the ways that God worked in your life to bring you to him. We don't even know all the ways, right? Things before we can even remember, like Moses. Think of what, it, what did it take to draw you out of yourself so you could be open to coming to God. This is how God begins to work deliverance in our lives. He, he draws us out. He doesn't force his deliverance. There's a beautiful parallel to this in John chapter 4. That whole chapter is when Jesus talks to the woman at the well. And Jesus doesn't force anything for this woman like to learn about who he is. It's just a conversation. He draws her out. And then she goes and preaches to a whole city, and they all come and want to be saved. He draws us out. Can you think of the seemingly little things that maybe made you open to study the Bible? Or come to church. Or come to something like this Easter event that we're going to have. You know, if you think like, I, I don't know, I haven't shared my faith in a long time. Just sign up and be a volunteer at the Easter event. You're sharing your faith. And I was thinking of, uh, last week when I was a preteen, so I can barely remember this. this is a long time ago. I remember I went with my mom to the Bible bookstore. We had a Bible bookstore. And she was getting a book. She had recently um, had like a faith awakening in her life. I was like 10 years old. I don't want to be there. I'm just getting dragged along. But I saw this one book, and it was looked. I didn't like to read, uh, and so I could care less about being in a bookstore. But it was real thin. That was good. And it was it was called Joseph. God planned it for the good. I can still see the cover in my head. I actually looked for it. I don't know where. I probably let someone borrow it. It's gone. Um, but that was the first book. Like I, I asked, him, I was like, "Can I have this?" She's like, are you going to read it? I'm like, I don't know. But she bought it for me anyway. Um, and that was the first like Christian book. And I don't know if I even finished the book. Um, but, I, but I was excited about it because it, it looked like an Egyptian on the cover. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like pyramids and stuff. Let's go. Um, and, and it's before I was a Christian, anything. Um, but, you know, I think about that. And now I've got like a library of Christian books. I've been able to write some Christian books. And it, that made that little thing, just getting dragged along to the store, getting a cheap book made such a difference even before as a Christian. I want you to think about that this week. You know, even before your conversion, think of all the blessings in your life that have led you to God, that have helped you stay faithful to God, that have helped you to grow. Little conversations in fellowship that lead to lasting friendships. It's, it's impossible to know. But I know there's so many for us, these seemingly mundane things where God is working in the background to do something mighty through in you and maybe even in other people. Um, think about that. And I want you to think about this. How, even right now, might God be drawing you out even more? I love what David shared. He's like, I don't want to be up here talking to you guys. Uh, but God, God drew me out. 
Um, this is what you get. How is God helping you to open up, to grow in your faith, to be transformed? Usually it's through tough things. If you thought about, well, I've got some really hard stuff going on, that's probably it. You know, we wonder where God is sometimes, and, and God might respond, I'm getting you ready for deliverance. I'm drawing you out again. I'm drawing you closer to me. That's what he does. That's beautiful. I hope that's encouraging to think about. But, you know, sometimes the first steps into deliverance are anything but beautiful. Sometimes as we start to get closer to God, we start tripping over our own feet, and we're going to see that with Moses right now. Let's, let's look at one more passage, and the last point, developing a deliverer. Developing a deliverer. Okay, let's, uh, let's read 2, verse 11 through 15. It says, One day, when Moses had grown up, and so if you've ever seen Prince of Egypt, I know the Lutz family watched that last night to get right there, like getting ready for church today. Uh, you know, like Moses grows up in the palace. He has chariot races with uh, his brother uh, Ramses uh, and all that. That's all. Cool cartoon. Okay. Um, so who knows, but now he's grown up. He's actually 40 years old. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, and he looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that. You see, that's so descriptive. He's like... (laughs) Right? Uh, And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. So two of his own people. And he said to the man in the wrong, "Uh, Why do you strike your companion? He answered... Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Oh, Moses like, oh no, I looked this way and that. How did you see that? Right? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. That's, a, that's just a brutal phraseology. The thing is known. You've been there before? When Pharaoh heard, it, uh, heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. That's like major foreshadowing, by the way, sitting down by a well. Anyway, um, keep going. Uh, actually, that's the end of it. Okay, so this is this right here, those five verses. That's the origin story for the greatest deliverer in the Old Testament. That's how it began. Here, Let me tell you how Moses began, everyone. You're like, this is going to be awesome. He killed somebody. <laughs> and buried the body in the sand, and then ran away to the desert. That's how it starts. I think, you know, Moses' heart seems to be in the right place. We could say there needs to be maybe some growth there, though. You know, as as was read in Acts chapter 7, it says Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. But they did not. That's what Stephen says in Acts chapter 7. And at this point, you can't really say it's the people's fault that they didn't realize that Moses was there to rescue him. He's out there murdering people. But it does show us that Moses had the heart to be a deliverer. He didn't have how to do it, or a lot of maturity, but his heart, I want to help. And so what I want to do as we end out today is I want to speak to those of us who've been delivered. We've been delivered in here. We've got some delivered people, right? Oh, yeah, I sound pumped. All right. Not by passing through the sea. None of us passed through the sea, but we were 
We did cut through the waters of baptism and have our sins washed away, become servants of God instead of slaves of sin. And I will say this real quick. If you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting for? What, is, what else does God need to do? Amen? Here's the big question today. If you didn't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. Ready? If you have been delivered, do you see yourself as a deliverer? If you've been delivered, did you know now you're a deliverer? If you've been drawn out from slavery and sin by God, do you see that your mission is to go to those who are still enslaved by sin and help draw them out and draw them closer to God? You know, Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. So, ambassadors, that's the, we, we don't do the delivering, okay? So if you felt like, oh man, that's a lot of pressure. I need to go do I'm going to go do some stuff. You, we don't do the delivering. Just as Moses was an instrument for God's power and God did the delivering, we represent Christ to those who live outside of the kingdom of God. We don't save anybody ourselves, but we are essential if anyone's going to be saved. We connect people to the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get to be deliverers in that way. Isn't that amazing? I think we know this. Maybe we forget sometimes. Or maybe, and this is likely, we tried it and it didn't go so well. I mean, do you remember the first time you ever tried to share your faith? Or maybe like an awkward story, like, like you, you said... You don't. You, you didn't want to remember what you said to that person, right? I remember right after I got baptized, I was like 14, and so I had no maturity in life or Christian maturity at all. Uh, but I was fired up, and I had this Bible study with my best friend, and basically, he, like, he felt like he was going to hell. He went home to his mom and said, "I'm going to hell." His mom came over; she was real angry. I felt like I was going to hell. It did not go well. Okay, I feel bad about that. <laughs> But I'm glad it didn't keep me from trying again and growing a little bit in my tact. Maybe, like me, you'd like to bury your first attempt at deliverance in the sand. I definitely would. But hey, at least we didn't kill anybody, right? Right? Good, good, okay. God wants to develop you. He wants to develop us as deliverers. But he needs something. He needs someone. He needs you to be willing. He needs something to work with. If we stop having bravery and zeal and compassion, and we stop going out to the people who are struggling under the burdens, not of the prince of Egypt, but who Paul calls the prince of this world, then God can't form us into the messengers he needs for his mighty deliverance. We're just going to hang out in the palace? How does God want to develop you as a deliverer? Are you still willing to put yourself out there? Will you give him the opportunity to use you to be that special delivery mechanism? Don't bury your outreach in the sand. Don't run away from sharing your faith. Don't give up on helping people find God's mighty deliverance, which is even more mighty today. 
I wonder, I think about like who right now in my life, who in your life is crying out for deliverance? We can't hear the prayers that are being prayed. But they're waiting, they're waiting for you to come, even if it's clumsy. Hopefully not murderous, but clumsy is okay. Awkward, nervous. They're waiting for you to share Christ, to share about our great deliverer that God worked from the beginning of history. All right, let's close out with this. I want, I want to uh, consider those first two points we had, but with a different main character. It's not Moses. It's you. You're that unlikely hero. Think about Moses. We get to be like Shifra and Pua, like Miriam, Moses' sister, like Pharaoh's daughter who was like, oh, can't let this baby die. God wants to use you like those people. Even in small ways, we think, oh, the little things don't matter. The little things really make a difference. There are so many ways that we can share Jesus if we're thinking about it, if we're intentional. And they all make a difference. And the people around you, I think there are people around you that are on the verge of seeing God's great promise in their life. It's the promise he made to Abraham and through Moses and then through David and then through fulfilled in Jesus. But they need a Moses to help draw them out and draw them near to God and his kingdom. And it sounds like a lot. Like, will you be Moses to somebody? Like, I don't think I can do that. But look at how Moses, you can do better than Moses, at least at the beginning. Amen? And we'll see next week how God really worked in Moses' heart and grew him into somebody who could be a better deliverer than when he first started. So I want to just ask today, you know, what's a first step toward evangelism? And I know maybe for some of us, we've never shared our faith. You're like, what? Talk to somebody about God? No. And for some of us, maybe it's been a long time. What's a first step you could take? If you've been chilling in the palace or wandering in the wilderness, instead of going out among the people who need Jesus, what could you do? You know, I could be like, hey, let's share our faith. Let's, let's talk to ten people about Jesus this week. Or, or the Holy Spirit's probably put one person on your heart, and I bet he has. Share with that one person. Hey, those are good ideas. But instead, I'll just say this. Can we, can you, just take the Lord with you this week? Take the Lord with you. Everywhere you go. Uh, the daily devotionals this week in the Thread app have, maybe for some of us it's a, it's a new, new thing, uh, we've done it a little bit at midweek, but this idea of breath prayers. And it's just a way, if you, if you open that up in the, in the morning and have a devotional time, it's, it's a really easy to remember prayer. You breathe in and you pray one sentence, you breathe out and pray a sentence. But I think just having the presence of God with us, and that's what Moses had in all the things, will help us to want to share our faith. Help us be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. Help us to become that special deliverer that God needs and wants. Uh, you guys have all heard the phrase, practice what you preach, right? We know that. You better practice what you preach. That's important because we don't want to become hypocrites, right? But I don't know if you ever thought about it like this. We also need to keep preaching what we practice. No one's going to hear about Jesus if we practice without preaching. God wants to deliver so many, every soul. He wants to transform his deliverers 
his disciples, us. And so next, when, next Sunday, we'll look at the special growth opportunities, we'll call them growth opportunities, that come to us when we decide to listen to God's calling, when we take great leaps of faith, when we decide to be the special deliverers that God has made each of us to be. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. Thank you.